I want to start uh, off today with a, a riddle of sorts. The question is, who am I? I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and I ruin lives. I am cruel and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless, and they cannot protect themselves against me because I have no name and no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I'm nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it is never the same. I topple governments and ruin marriages. I destroy careers and cause heartache and sleepless nights. I wreck churches and I separate Christians. I spawn suspicion and generate grief. I make innocent people cry on their pillows. Even my name hisses. I am gossip. Gossip, anyone catch on to that? Oh yeah, fun. Uh, we started a, a series last week on the book of Proverbs and uh, we talked a little bit about how uh, for the new year, uh, for our church. Uh, our prayer wanted to be the same as that of, of Solomon, of King Solomon. And so we followed the Solomon story as Solomon came before God and God shows up and they have this meeting and God says, you can ask anything from me. And we thought about what are all the things that we would ask God for in that moment. But what Solomon asked God for is wisdom. He says, give me a heart of wisdom that I would be wise, that I would have knowledge. And then because he asked for wisdom, uh, what we find is that God uh, gives him everything else, gives him the world. And we thought, what if for us, before we, we set out with our resolutions, before we set out with kind of our goals for the year, we just stopped and said, Lord, would you just give us wisdom individually and corporately as a church that you would give us wisdom for this year? And we talked about the different kinds of wisdom, how there's earthly wisdom, but then there's also this heavenly wisdom as we find in the book of James, and this heavenly wisdom that God gives us so that as we journey through this world, uh, we, we live lives of significance. And we talked about how uh, in Scripture what we find is there's this story that unfolds in Scripture of salvation that has eternal implications, but so much of the instruction of Scripture is how do we journey through life? How do we act here and now? And the, the decisions that we make they can lead to destruction or they can enrich life. And all of that has et eternal implications as well. And so we wanted to just dive into this book of Proverbs that tradition tells us Solomon wrote a large majority of, of, of Proverbs on, on what does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to live a life of wisdom? Throughout Proverbs, what we find is there are these constant themes of destructive choices that pop up, choices that ruin relationships, that ruin families, that ruin, uh, that ruin people. And so last week we talked about this uh, the bad decision of lying and what that looks like to actually live in truth, and wisdom calls us to live honest lives of truth. This week I want to look at this other uh, destructive 
uh, rhythm in life, and it's of gossip. And it's of gossip. And gossip is something that um, I don't really like to talk about because I'm a dude. And I think of gossip, I don't think of something that dudes struggle with. But actually, it, we do. And it just comes out in maybe a different form if you're a dude. But all of us, all of us gossip. And as we look at, at Proverbs, uh, what we find is that there's this list throughout the book of Proverbs. If we can go to the next slide, all these different verses that talk about this issue of gossip, it occurs over and over again. And in fact, when you look at this book of wisdom, Proverbs, what you find is that gossip, uh, there's probably more warnings and instruction about how, what, how we use our words in relationships than maybe even any other theme. The wisdom writers are saying this idea of gossip is something that's serious. And what I had found is that we take gossip seriously, but we don't take it seriously enough. We take gossip serious in the fact that like, we, we participate, right? We, we, we enjoy it. Uh, we, we even believe it. Um, it's something that kind of dominates our conversations. But we don't take it serious enough realizing that uh, it, this could actually be something that's really destructive for my life and for relationships. We take gossip seriously, but probably not seriously enough. Gossip is viewed, Proverbs tell us, as a source of great trouble in life. Gossip is viewed as a source of just great trouble. And it's something that can seem so small, kind of like, a, like last week, this, this little white lie can seem like something so small, and it could be something that just spirals out of control and leads to very destructive things. When we think about uh, gossip, Proverbs 18.8 describes it. It says, the words of gossip are like choice, choice morsels. They go down uh, to a man's inmost parts. It talks about almost like consuming. Gossip is something that you eat, that it tastes good, and it, and it gets inside of you. Proverbs warns us that we have this perverse attraction to gossip. It also warns us of the corrupting effect of it. And when we think about kind of what gossip is, and, and psychologists will say that something happens in our brain once kind of a gossip story starts, we're immediately alerted and we're interested in it. It's something that in the short term we enjoy, but then once it gets inside of us, and, and what I would like to even say is it's almost like candy, like it's pleasing at first, but we know if you eat too much candy, it's not good. When you're at the grocery store and you have this list of things uh, that, you're, that you're getting, and you get everything on the list, and you go to, to check out and to pay for the groceries, you stand in this aisle in line, and on one side of the aisle is candy, and on the other side of the aisle is what? Gossip magazines, right? I think that might be a little bit intentional. It's like standing here, I've got everything that I need. Let's put the impulse buy right at the checkout aisle, right? And it's something, it's almost like, it's, it's like gossip is like candy. It, it's something that we, we initially get this hit from it, and we, we like it and, it, and it tastes good, but when it gets inside of us, uh, it can become something uh, that is destructive. And Proverbs warns us about this. So what is gossip? Let's just start with kind of the definition. Gossip, talking about someone behind their back. That's like the, the simple definition of it. Uh, in the New Testament, what we find is it's the Greek word that's found in Romans chapter 1. is sithuristes, sithuristes. And it means literally a whisper. A gossip is a, a whisperer, someone who, who whispers person who whispers behind your back with the intention of hurting you. The Greek scholar 
uh, Godet describes, the gossiper as someone who pours out his poison by whispering in our ears. That's an interesting way to think about it. Someone who pours out their poison by whispering in our ears. The Bible also links gossip to slander. Uh, together, uh, these are sister sins, Romans 1, 29 and 30. It says that the word slander is katalalos. Katalalos means to speak evil of someone. So it's, it's someone who whispers, and it's someone who speaks evil of someone. The King James Version talks about this idea as they call a gossiper a backbiter. So get that visual, someone that bites you in the back. Not stabs you in the back, they bite you in the back. It's kind of strange. But it's this idea of whispering ill about someone else. And when we think about gossip, uh, what we often find is it's when, when I'm usually participating in gossip, is I, I take a situation or I take facts and I use it for my advantage or to bring someone else down. Oftentimes, I find myself doing that. It's almost like I can elevate myself by talking negatively about someone else. I mean, I do it almost like subconsciously. It's almost out of my own insecurity, I do this. It's a whisper about someone else that makes me look better than them. Proverbs says this is something that is destructive. When we look at the origin of gossip, what we know is that it comes uh, straight from the evil one, Satan, the personification of evil in our world. When we look at the creation story, all the way back to Genesis 3, we looked at this story last week, the lie that the serpent tells Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And most of us, I think, kind of know this story of Adam and Eve and the, and the fruit. And if you've maybe read that in scripture or watched Veggie Tales or something, you, most people know this story, right? In this story, what we find is that Satan starts having this conversation with Eve about this fruit that she's not supposed to eat. And what we find is that not only is Satan lying to Eve, but the way that he does it, he starts to talk about God behind God's back. And he starts to say, did God tell you this? This is what God and Eve says, yeah, that's what God says. Those are the facts. And what the, the serpent does is he says, well, this is, this is probably what he meant. And, and this, this God, he's actually holding out on you. And he takes the facts and he twists them and he uses them against God, convincing Eve to take the fruit. We find is that gossip is part of, uh, of the fall of, of mankind where Satan is gossiping. We also find that, that, that gossip originates in our own hearts. I talked about most of the time when I'm participating in gossip, it comes out of my own insecurity. There's something inside of me that, that, that causes me to participate in bringing someone else down. In Luke chapter 6, there's a story that Jesus is telling, and he goes on to say that the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil sort up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. I think that's a, an interesting line. Out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouth speaks. So something that's inside of us is eventually coming out in what we say. Oftentimes when we talk about uh, it's a heart issue, I mean, so much of what we want to do here as a church is make sure that our hearts are right with God. Because I don't know scientifically how this works, but whatever is inside of our heart tends to come out. And if it's full of, of, of envy or bitterness or anger, if our hearts are full of that, we tend to use words that are 
full of anger and bitterness. And if our hearts are insecure or jealous, or, then, then that tends to come out. But if our hearts are at peace, if our hearts feel whole, our words are different. So much of what we say originates inside of us. And the trouble, the trouble with gossip, the trouble with gossip, I don't think if you just read gossip magazines, that's a bad thing. Um, that's not what we're, we're talking about here. But what we're talking about is in gossip infiltrates our relationships. What happens is that it, it escalates conflicts. It escalates conflicts. It's the first thing it does. Proverbs talks about this idea of uh, of gossip uh, being like wood on a fire. And if there's a conflict, it's like not throwing more wood onto that fire. Without wood, the fire just dies down. But when you gossip, you're throwing fuel and more wood, and the fire just roars, explodes. It escalates conflict. Last night, I was uh, watching the Pittsburgh Steelers play the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know if any of you watched that game. Uh, Probably one of the most wild endings to a football game I'd ever seen. And uh, if you know a little bit of history about the two clubs, football clubs, you got the Steelers, who are traditionally, um, it's almost like fate is on their side. They always find a way to, you know, have one foot in bounds in the Super Bowl, but they call two feet in bounds. I don't know, something like that. Um, but the Steelers always seem to find a way to win, and the Bengals always seem to find a way to lose. And last night, the story was flipped. There was like a minute left in the game, and the Bengals were about to knock out their bitter rival, knock him out of the playoffs. And this guy from ASU, Vontaze Burfick, makes this interception. He's the hero. So it's like, oh, cool, like a local guy. That's great. And there's like a minute left in the game. And in this game, a minute left, the Bengals have the lead. All they have to do is run the ball, run the clock out. And the running back runs. He actually has a good run, but he, he gets stripped, and it's raining. The Steelers strip the ball, and he fumbles. Devastating. But the ball's deep in Pittsburgh's territory. You don't think, well, they still have a minute. You know, it's going to be tough for them to get downfield to kick a field goal. The weather's terrible. The quarterback of the Steelers, his arm is shot. He's hurt. And then what we find is they slowly start marching downfield. And you're like, there's no way the Bengals are going to blow this. There's no way they're going to blow this. They're running out of time. Time's about to run out. And then the same... A uh, player that made the interception, Vontaze Burfecht, ends up doing a cheap shot on one of the Steelers' receivers. And uh, there's this penalty. It's a 15-yard penalty. It causes all sorts of commotion. This is like total meltdown by the Bengals. During this commotion, commotion another player, uh, Adam Pacman Jones, comes in, and he does something just, I don't no one's really sure what he did. He did something really bad because they threw a flag on him. And before you know it, there's this 30-yard penalty that, that takes place in this game. And so the Steelers, who can't march the ball downfield because their quarterback's hurt, uh, get lucky. The Bengals completely melt down, and they're in field goal range, and they kick a field goal, and they win. And the Bengals are going to bangle, and they lose, and the Steelers' fate is on their side again, and they win. And it's this unbelievable story of one football team completely melting down. Everything that could have gone wrong in the last minute of the game goes wrong. And you have to imagine last night, just listening to some of the post-game interviews, the way that... Um, the, the intensity of the moment, the heat of that moment, and how frustrated some of the Bengals must have been with some of the bonehead plays from guys on their team. And they get into the postgame, and they start to interview A.J. McCarrens, who's the quarterback of the Bengals. He's this young quarterback. It's his first playoff start, and uh, he's kind of been known to say some outrageous things. And you're wondering, what is he going to say about the guys that completely screwed up the game 
for the Bengals? Is he going to throw them under the bus? Is he going to just let them have it? Terrible fumble, terrible penalty. And A.J. McCarron's, they, they say, what do you think about this? What, what happened? And he says, we lost as a team tonight. He said it wasn't one play. It wasn't Vontaze Burfick's fault. It wasn't Pac-Man Jones. It wasn't Jeremy Hill who fumbled. He said, we lost this game as a team. We lost this game as a team. And if you know how the media works, they're just waiting for a story. And they're waiting for him to just say something where it could become something that's super divisive in the clubhouse. And what we find is Vontes, or, uh, this, this quarterback, this young quarterback, he doesn't escalate the conflict by talking about the negative things that his teammates did. I was just blown away as I heard that. Like, unbelievable leadership from this quarterback. What would have happened in that moment if he completely threw his guys under the bus? Can you imagine how much the conflict in the locker room would just escalate? And I'm sure there's going to be conflict in that locker room. But this way of talking about other people, especially when they're down, it would have been like throwing fire on an already burning situation. Because gossip escalates conflict. And what we find is that this quarterback decides not to talk about his teammates, not to talk about any individuals. Gossip is also incredibly destructive. It destroys relationships. It destroys trust. For Adam and Eve in the garden, their relationship with God, humanity's relationship with God is never the same because of this gossip thing that got them to take the fruit. Adam and Eve's relationship with each other isn't the same because they start throwing each other under the bus. They start blaming each other. They start talking to God about the other person and about the serpent. They take the negative things of the other person to protect themselves, to make themselves look better, and it's destructive. I was having uh, dinner last night with my folks, my mom and my dad. We were at a wedding, and we were just kind of chatting, and they're asking me, what are you talking about tomorrow? And I was saying, oh, I'm, I'm talking about gossip. And my mom goes, oh, you're talking about gossip. I hope you don't talk about me and all of your high school friends' moms, how we used to get together and talk about you guys in high school. And I was like... Well, I wasn't going to, but now I am. <laughs> like, I forgot all about that, Mom. Great analogy. And so when I was in high school, a pretty tight-knit group of friends, we, we, uh, our, our moms would get together, and we, would call the, we called them the Mom Mafia. And news about what was going on in our lives would spread through this mom's group faster than Facebook. I mean, it was like they would know things before I knew things. I would get home, and she'd be like, oh, I heard... I heard Michael's taking so-and-so to prom. And I'm like, what? Is that true? And I'd call him like, yeah, he is. What? How did my mom know that? <laughs> and all the moms would talk. They'd get together, you know, and have tea and, you know, talk. And it, but here's what happened with that group. I, would, I was like, I'm, I'm not telling my mom anything. There's no way I'm telling her about my love life or about my friend's love life because it's going to get back to somebody. And, and so, like, there was this, like, broken trust thing, this weird, you know, because I was a high school student, and it was, like, you're broken. And so, like, it, it's, when, when people talk, uh, it, it affects how we relate to them and converse with them. And mom, my mom and I joke about it now. It's not a, not a big deal at all, but that's how it works. Like, trust breaks down. I can't confide in you. We see that. That's what happens with gossip. Loose lips sinks ships, right? So gossip has this way of of destroying relationships and destroying trust. And obviously, my relationship with my mom's great. I could tell her anything. But um, high school is a different story. <laughs> it also disrupts unity. 
Uh, it's destructive uh, for unity. And, and we see this, uh, we see this in, in families, we see this in churches, we see this in businesses, different organizations. I have a friend that works for a great company that's healthy and, and they're firing on all cylinders. And he, he talks about how we have this culture in our company where we don't talk about people. We don't, especially if it's negative, we don't, we don't go there. And when you look at, at companies that are unhealthy and offices, office culture that's unhealthy, they, people talk about each other. So we're, we don't do that. And, and we have a very healthy, healthy culture in our, in our company. And, and I think that's true, especially in churches. And here's the hard thing for churches. As we talk about how we want to be in community together, we want to be authentic with each other, we want to know what our issues are so that we can carry each other's burdens, that we can help each other out, that's also very tricky because when you start to share sensitive information, when you know someone's struggling with something and you want to be there to help and, you, and we want to pray for each other, there's always this, this uh, almost like human leaning towards, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about what's going on? And instead of this being a place of protection and safety and building each other up, very quickly gossip can, can just divide a community. Gossip has this destructive ability to just disrupt unity in a church. It also spreads falsehood. Gossip isn't always about something that's true or it's not just uh, twisting a truth, but it, gossip also happens about things that just aren't true. Now you may, maybe have experienced this where people have accused you of things that, that like you can't believe that's what they think about you. I find kind of great relief in this story about the Apostle Paul in Acts. Uh, in chapter 21, uh, Paul's, Paul's talking, and if we go to the next slide, um, someone's kind of, uh, he's, he's having this conversation, and, and this person says to Paul, he says, aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? And if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, it's like, where did you get that? Paul's like, no, I'm, I'm the Jew from you know, from Tarsus. Like, where did that come from? This is so just out, outlandish that you would come up with. I'm, I'm this Egyptian that led people out. And, and that happens. We, gossip spreads falsehood about us, about, about individuals. And maybe you've had that happen to you, the trouble of gossip. Someone accusing you of something that's just not true. If gossip is this idea of something that's poisonous, and toxic, then what is the antidote for gossip? How should a community that's seeking to follow Jesus handle this issue of gossip? The first thing I'd say to do is overlook an offense. Overlook an offense. Proverbs 17.9 says, He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. He who covers over an offense promotes love. Whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. To overlook an offense. And I, I think this is what we saw with the Bengals quarterback last night. He just overlooks some of the things that happen to his teammates. Doesn't call him out on it. He probably handles, I'm sure they handled it inside the locker room. But he overlooks what they did when it was like teed up for him to just hit. He just decides to overlook it and to say, this is a team issue. 
Overlooking an offense is one way to stomp out gossip. The second thing is to not listen to gossip, to consciously decide not to listen to gossip. Proverbs 20.19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. So if you're wise and you know me, you would probably avoid me because I'm an external processor and, uh, and I talk a lot and it gets me in trouble. Um, but this idea of just, just avoiding the situation, a gossip betrays a confidence. Avoid anyone who talks too much. Decide not to listen, not to partake in the conversation. That's hard to do. It's hard to do because gossip is like candy. And when someone offers you candy, man, it's hard to turn that down, right? The next thing to do is to confront the gossiper. Just confront them. And not in a way that's like, I'm holier than thou. How dare you? I'm a Christian. I can't believe you're talking. No, it's not talking about that like that. Um, But just calling it out. Chuck Colson talks about uh, this idea when he hears someone kind of talking negatively about another person. He says, hey, can can I quote you on that? Can I quote you on that? And it's interesting because that all of a sudden ties, ties the, the rumor or the gossip back to the source, right? But just being willing to confront. And, and Matthew, Jesus is telling the story about how if someone wrongs you, just go to them and talk about it. Cut it off at the source. Confront gossip. And then finally, gossip for the good. There is such thing as, as positive gossip. There is such thing as gossiping in a way that builds others up. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let me just read that one more time. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others, others up according to their needs. Helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Like, what if that was our initiative as people? We're only going to talk about others in a way that builds them up, a way that benefits others. What I've found is that some of the people that are most dynamic in my life, the people that are just doing significant things, the people that are successful, when they talk about others, they have this belief in the best of someone else. They don't assume the worst. They believe the best. And that's hard to do. And those are unique people that are able to do that. They just believe the best intentions about other people. And when they talk about those people, uh, you find that they're, they're saying things that bring life to the conversation, bring life to people. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. But to gossip in a way that's positive, building others up. I want to be a part of a life-giving, truth-speaking community that protects each other in love. I want to be a part of a church that does that. I don't want to be a church that tears each other apart with the negative. I want to be a community that builds each other up, that believes the best in others, that doesn't use situations or facts to elevate myself above other people. I want to be that kind of community. And I want to Invite all of us to be that as we start 2016. Wisdom's call on our lives not to be gossipers. Before we reflect, I'll just read this in Proverbs chapter 10, a couple verses. We talked about how wisdom throughout the book of Proverbs is uh, thought of as a female. The name Sophia 
And it says that wisdom calls in the streets uh, to all those who would listen. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 10, verse 3 says, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Verse 9, The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Verse 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Verse 12, hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all wrongs. Verse 14, wise men store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. Verse 19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Book of James talks about this idea of taming our tongue. It says no one can do it. The tongue is like this restless evil. But discipline it requires to speak of people in this way is challenging. And today as we close, um, I want to just spend some time reflecting on our words. As Matt comes back up, we close each week with communion. And one of the things that we've realized as followers of Jesus is that we're striving to be like Jesus. We're striving to be good in this world. But like we can never kind of live up to this uh, trying to be like Christ. But Christ makes a way for us to live this way. And as we move towards communion, we celebrate how the good work that God did in this world through Jesus is enough for us. And so when we come to the communion table, we take all of the things that we get wrong in our life, we take all of our brokenness, we take all of our insecurity, we take all of the uh, ways that we try to get it right and become prideful, we take everything and we go to this table and we were reminded of the work that God did in this world to bring about healing and restoration for all the broken parts. And the, the bread that we take represents the body of Christ that was broken open for us. And the juice that we take represents the blood of Christ that was poured out. And through that breaking of his bread and pouring out of his blood, we're put back together. So as we close today with this topic of gossip, as we look into Proverbs and as wisdom calls to us, let us be reminded that Jesus is working in our lives. Maybe you need to reflect on a couple things. Maybe, uh, maybe you've been the victim of gossip. Maybe you've been uh, falsely accused. And today, as we head towards communion, you just need to experience healing. Because your life has been ripped apart by other people's words. Maybe you've heard it. You've heard gossip. You've heard just destructive conversations about people around you, and you just need to experience peace today. Maybe you're going through a really difficult situation, relationally, family, at work, and you just need to come today and just allow God to fill you with his peace that passes understanding. Maybe you struggle with gossip, like me. You're an external processor, and you just talk about people. And today, you just need, you need to just come to the communion table and invite God to bring discipline and self-control into your life. I'm not sure what it is for you, 
Not sure how it affects you. But let's just take some time to reflect. And when you're ready, let's move towards communion. And we invite you. We will practice open communion here. Everyone is invited. Uh, if you have a relationship with Christ, come to the table and partake in the elements. And let's just meet with God. And then we'll dismiss in a few minutes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this book that was written thousands of years ago, this book of Proverbs, this uh, manual for wisdom. Lord, we want to live lives that are wise in this world. We don't want to be, uh, we don't want to be destructive. We don't want to make destructive decisions. But we can't do that, Lord, on our own. So we come before you now and we ask you to meet with us and to fill us with your spirit that, that transforms us from death to life. Lord, that we would just tap into that spirit today. That we'd find healing and peace and self-control. So we give you this time. In your son's name we pray.